Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive, transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wind Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here. Happy President's Day. I know some of you probably have today off. Not everyone has today off. I'm really grateful I do. So I'm going to do this show and then have a get my life back together day. <laughs> As I do on long weekends sometimes, I actually um, just got in late, late last night from Milwaukee doing a college visit with my daughter which was a surreal experience in itself to know that she's going to be leaving in the next few months. And also, it was so cold. I was I feel so bad, actually, for the last two weeks on the show that I've complained about Seattle's weather because I woke up and thought, oh, I'm going to let her sleep in and walk to Starbucks to get myself a coffee. It was negative two outside. <laughs> awesome. So I did not get up and go i i just had the hotel coffee don't they, I, del- don't they deliver i mean it was really amazing it was amazing like i've never um i've never experienced anything like I, that i'm originally from alaska so i've been in negative 45 maybe six at one point right before we moved and it oh. was just enough where you could throw some water out and it would oh be my solid gosh before it's, yeah, it's like That's bone cold chilling stuff. cold mm-hmm. i just have never and you know all the kids on campus were still out happy yeah, doing their thing yeah. they're all bundled up and um my daughter liked it and so now it's um it's really surreal because i'm sort of thinking okay so she's leaving and she might be going far away which you know is um exciting and I try not to think about it too much. Gifts Other than just easy, the exciting though. feelings. Yeah, gifts should be so, easy, though, for Christmas. Just things that are warm. Yes, exactly. exactly. And electric. Yes, exactly. <laughs> electric socks. Exactly. Um, so it's feeling like a Monday to me. I My eyes are kind of bleary from travel, and my house is a mess, and I'm really I'll grateful to have the day off. Yes, wake I know. Up. i got to wake up. But I am so excited about the show today because I have a guest on that I'm going to introduce you to in a few minutes, and I've been wanting to talk with her for, I mean, a year at least. So it's going to be such a meaty conversation and so timely. But first, I'm going to dive into our Heart to Heart segment. And the first thing I want to say on the Heart to Heart segment today is it is Random Acts of Kindness Day. So not only are we celebrating presidents, but we are also celebrating being kind to each other. And I just wanted to tell you, like, of course, every day is a great day for Random Acts of Kindness. But today, you know, we've been talking the last couple weeks in the Heart to Heart and the shows just about showing compassion and kindness to each other. So it's just a great day to start small. Remember, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Just smile at a stranger. Look at someone in the elevator and greet them instead of having your eyes down on your phone. Buy someone coffee, buy someone flowers, anything. Send someone. Deliver a glass of water. Deliver a glass of water as Benny did to our guest today. Um, You know, anything just to show that you you care means so much to people. And I even think just getting encouraging texts. You know, I have this um, thing that happens to me after every single show I put out there, which is I put the show out into the world and then immediately I wonder if I should take it back. Like every single time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Did I say too much? 
did I sound, you know, did I gulp too many times? I don't know. Did I say like too much, <laughs> which is something <laughs> I think about a lot. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I get just a quick text or note from someone saying, I really needed to hear that this morning and um, keep going or anything like that. It means so much. So Random Acts of Kindness Day, find something kind and random to do for someone today and every day. Um, And then the first thing I want to talk about today before we dive into our guest, and I I think it segues really nicely into um, our guest discussion today. But, you know, last week I had Ann Taylor Hartzell on with Hip Travel Mama, and we started talking about how hard it can be in today's day and age to voice your own opinions or be your authentic self. And there's so it's so easy now for people to criticize and judge or um, lash out on social media. She was talking about how that she had a recent experience with that. And so what I started thinking about was this word civility and how we just have a general lack of civility. And I had recently heard a podcast by a PhD. Her name is Christine Porath. Um, fascinating. You should definitely check out her work. But she basically researches and studies civility and the impact that a lack of civility has on people and their brains. And I want to share some of that with you. But first, I really want to talk about one of the things I mentioned on the show last week, which is um, my version of being able to have peace, my strategy around having peace for the last several years has been to not have the hard conversations. And so I have certain things that I um, I use the example of last week of how I always host everything for my family, which I love doing. But I have this rule that I say every single time for years before I host something, which is no politics, no religion. And so while, like, yes, it keeps the peace and, um, and we don't have that much tension around it, but it, it makes the conversations really light and comfortable I think that it's turned into a real avoidance of being able to have a lot of those hard conversations. And we live in a time where we need to be having those hard conversations because there's so much division. And so it's sad that we sometimes aren't entering into those conversations because we're either afraid of making someone uncomfortable or we're afraid of someone judging or criticizing us. Um, And so I really started thinking about what that means for me. And I think it's led to a certain level of ignorance. And I know that's a big word, and I'm not talking about anyone else. I'm just talking about myself. And let me tell you what I mean, because I do consider myself really, really open. But I'm a total consumer of knowledge and information. So I'm committed to growth. I'm committed to learning. I'm constantly reading, listening to things consuming all of this knowledge and information that's out there. And the problem for me, I think, is is not the consuming of the knowledge. It's that I actually don't do anything with it other than keep it inside of myself. So I just keep taking, taking, taking all this knowledge, and I keep it inside of me, and I form my own opinions about it. But then I don't share those opinions out very often or seek out other perspectives. And so I think What's happening with me specifically is doing this show and having a platform has really pushed me through just meeting different guests. It's really pushed me to think about um, 
things in a different way. And I am seeking out other perspectives. And it's pushing my brain. It's pushing my heart. It's pushing my head. Um, and I like it. It feels really good. And I started thinking about the fact that I have two teenagers at home. And I don't want them to grow up with the philosophy of avoiding hard conversations or feeling afraid themselves to voice something really different. I mean, the world that they're growing up in today is so different from the world I grew up in. And I want them to have opinions and I want them to be unique and ask questions and push boundaries and if I don't model that for them, if I sort of go around having this rule of being comfortable and having conversations that are off limits, that's really not a healthy way to teach them that they can have those hard conversations. So I just want to encourage us all. I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but I want us to, to be able to have those conversations and really focus on having them in a civil way. And some of the things that Christine Porath talks about in terms of a lack of civility, um, when someone experiences a lack of civility, they, it actually affects their brain. So the cognitive function in their brain slows down, their anxiety increases, their creativity lessens, it's more difficult for them to solve problems. And what I found really interesting was it doesn't just happen to the victim, to the person experiencing or being treated rudely. It actually happens to the witnesses also. So one of the things that she talked about was that even being a witness to someone being treated rudely, and this can be online, this can be reading some rude behavior, it can be actually face-to-face, their cognitive function, even as a witness, slows by 18%. So imagine what the impact of that does to people's lives. I mean, to their work, to how they are at home, to how they feel about walking around every day. Um, So I just would encourage us all. I mean, obviously, the first step is openness and awareness. And I just wonder what would happen if we all intentionally approached life with more curiosity and openness instead of judgment and criticism and try just having those hard conversations maybe at first with people that you feel safe with and just making an agreement like we're going to have these conversations and we're going to make sure we do it in a respectful and civil way and really just work at what we've talked about the last couple of weeks which is just choose compassion because I think one thing that we can all be unified on is that human beings should be treated with respect and dignity. Like that's a point that we, you know, hopefully we can all be unified around. So that is the Heart to Heart for today. I just, um, hopefully it gives you a little food for thought. And we are going to take a short break. But when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to my guest, Kate Eisler with Be Bold Seattle. I'm so excited for this conversation. And we will be right back. You're listening to Sam Willing on KKNW 1150 Imperfection Wins. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you are building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. 
If you are located on the Greater East Side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for Urban Restoration. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Kate Eisler, co-founder of Be Bold Seattle. Hi, Kate. Good morning. I am so happy that you're here. So before we jump into our show, because we have so much to talk about, but will you tell everybody just a little bit about your, you? I will. Um, I always sort of start with, I worked in technology for about 200 years. <laughs> feels like you that. look great yeah you really look great <laughs> I started very young um, but most of it outside the US and so I spent most of my career in really highly desirable places like the Middle East and Africa and Central Asia and Eastern Europe oh my where gosh everyone wants to go I um, am married and I have three boys that traveled around that was the biggest question people asked me is did you take your children course I did. Wow. And so, um, and then I came back to Seattle and started um, working for, a, you know, had a global job and then I ran a digital healthcare startup. And then on the side, I started hosting International Women's Day. That's amazing. I know. I want to hear so much about, we have so much to talk about. Where do we start? Okay. Well, first, so you heard my opening segment on civility and you know, I was thinking about this um, independently of my inter- my upcoming interview with you. And as I was writing it, and as I came to a close to it, I thought, this directly ties into so much of what Kate does with Be Bold, because I'm positive that you face this issue, because you do some really um, heavy work with women and gender parity, and there are so many opinions. And so just tell me a little bit about um, what do you think about the concept of civility and is it something like do we have it I know what I read when I was looking at the the research is that it does show the research does show that we are experiencing more of a lack of civility in society than we ever have before so I'm just curious about your thoughts on that I think we have a lack of civility, but I also think we're starting to recognize it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anything new. So we're not a lost cause. We're not a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> we're a work in progress. Yeah. Um, you know, the work we do um, with Be Bold really came out of thinking about people's relationships and thinking about how people specifically relate to women. Mm. And the fact is, is that, you know, the work in gender parity And the reason we don't have parity is because no one likes to have those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, every now and then you see a lot of data thrown out in a in a professional sense. And, you know, here's what the wages difference are and here's what the progression in leadership and the percentage of women. You know, you see all of that. But if we really start to unpack that, Mm -hmm. that's not a new issue. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about, you know, what women face in the workplace every day and Actually, across our culture, it's mm-hmm. not limited to the workplace. There is stereotypical um, positions that we're put in as subclass. Yeah. And we're expected to, you know, we hear about, oh, my gosh, men are sharing the housework and sharing the parenting and everyone's so surprised. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like, 
And so I think those things have always been. I just mm-hmm. don't think we've talked about them. Mm-hmm. And so when you think, you know, when you talked about witnessing that and the cognitive impact that has on children, on coworkers, yes. that has been so ingrained in our society that I'm all for, you know, stir the pot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because if things were going to change, it comes from the bottom. It's culture and everybody has to have an awareness and push for change. Yeah. And I think it's really, um, it, it's interesting because I, in a moment, I want you to really um, tell people about Be Bold because the work you do is so important. And I will say, you know, the first time I saw you speak was to a room full of high school students. And here I was uh, playing a mentor role to these high school students, men and women. And you came um, with your partner and you shared some statistics and data that I want to get into in a little while also just around gender parity and not only here but also across the world and some of the things that women are still experiencing and then really thinking about what women are experiencing here and I think I was really blown away and as I said you know it's not um I wasn't blown away because I you know have a big um like stance on some of the things that you were sharing and talking about, I actually just had never thought about it that deeply, which I'm just being really vulnerable. It Because I would say I, w- I was raised in a very traditional home, um, you know, loving parents. They're still married today, very traditional roles. Um, and, it, and I really enjoy being comfortable and not really looking at um, hardships and things. So while I've experienced a little bit, I mean, of course, a little bit throughout my career um, of, you know, chauvinism and, and things like that, it I wouldn't say that it's been in my face to the point where it's really impacted me. And so it's really easy to, you know, put your blinders on and be like, oh, no, look at the data. Things are getting better. Things are getting better. And I think when I saw you speak the first time, I was really, uh, my eyes were very opened and it spiked this curiosity curiosity in me. And so I can't wait for you to share some of that. But will you share, first of all, just what is Be Bold and why did you start it? So Be Bold, we, we think of ourselves now as a conscious consulting mm-hmm. is really what happened. Um, and we started celebrating International Women's Day. My time overseas, um, we always celebrated this. And the International Women's Day has been around for 111 years, so it's not new. Mm-hmm. And it really is to celebrate women's contributions across culture, society, economics, everything. And it's a call to gender parity, mm-hmm. and it's really to ground people in that. And, you know, we celebrate in this country Mother's Day which I'm a mother and I adore my children, but it's not all I contribute. Right. And I think that that says a whole lot if you start to look at the cultural nuance behind that. Mm-hmm. And we um, really thought that it was important to build up women. Mm-hmm. And so my co-founder is English and she moved here and we were having a you know particularly depressing sort of January evening like, oh my gosh, our, you know, our work is hard and our families are hard. And she said, why don't we celebrate International Women's Day? It always makes you feel better. And we said, well, 
let's do that. And, so and we didn't celebrate it in Seattle at that point. We did not. Correct? Well, I think that there's probably some small groups that do. Okay. But we had no sort not of... Not collectively. Right. No mm-hmm. premier published event. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that that was our mission. Mm-hmm. And so we um, invited all our friends, put together a little panel, and had 80 people in the basement of WeWork. We thought, we're so good. <laughs> And felt We've really made good. it now. Exactly. <laughs> and so the next um, fall, people started asking what we were going to do the following year. And we thought, oh, well, we hadn't really thought that far. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We pulled together a couple of speakers and another panel and actually were at the town hall. So we had 300 people year two. Mm-hmm. So now we're on year five. And for some reason, we thought we just might as well be bold and rent Benaroy Hall. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so that event happens annually. So yeah. this year it's March 5th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, International Women's Day is March 8th every year. Mm-hmm. So we've started to do that. And what that is is about celebrating and recognizing women. And from that point, um, we have been pulled in to talk to different businesses and different groups mm-hmm. like the high school group or school groups. I speak to lots of collegiate athletes. Um, I do some work with North Seattle College and really talk about um, gender parity and what that means and kind of break down some of the data that I shared with Mm -hmm. you in terms of our everyday lives because, you know, creating parity is a cultural change. Yes. It's so hard. It is not something that's going to happen tomorrow or, you know, frankly, it's not something that's going to happen within an administration or an election cycle. And so we're really clear about that. But it's really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because we do not in our society, as you said, very traditional roles. We are uh, some of the slowest changing countries. Yeah, which is fascinating to me. And I know one of the things, and you just touched on it a few minutes ago when I first met you, was the fact that um, we other countries have celebrated International Women's Day for years and years and years and then and we really haven't until recently mm-hmm. so why do you think that is what is it I think that's a culture on a society okay choice I mean I think that you know we are a very traditional society mm-hmm. and we really look at women as I said you know we start talking about oh my gosh you know we do the majority of the work at home and women have uh, different roles mm-hmm. our business culture you know, is really was created our modern business culture was created in the 50s post world war ii yeah really contingent on one working male mm-hmm. and the woman stayed home that mm-hmm. was our traditional role models we see that in religious we see it in schools we see it in the workplace mm-hmm. and so i think that we just don't push those boundaries that's reality and that's normal for us mm-hmm. other countries don't really have mother's day there's a few but really, they don't celebrate a particular Mother's Day. They celebrate International Women's Day. That's so interesting. And so one thing that I just want to, um, I wonder if you could speak to is, I know, so I have lived um, like many versions of, I feel like, of female life. Like I, I've i I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've been a, you know, a consultant. I've had a full-time job and been a working mom. And, um, and it's all... It's all wonderful and it's all hard in its own way. And I think one of the things that I find interesting is um, I get, you know, there just by having this podcast, 
when I first started it, and I would share a lot initially about my own journey through career and and motherhood and um, that evolution. And I remember so clearly getting a few messages from women who would say things like, um, I don't work, but I still love your podcast. Or I, um, I'm really getting a lot of value even though I don't work. And so early on, I sort of said like, hey, like you do work, right? Like we all work and we all contribute. And I think speaking of civility, there's sort of this division even among women of, you know, work in like a business sense or work in a home sense or do both at the same time. And there's... Um, Sometimes I find women not being very gentle with each other or themselves, you know. And so can you just speak to when you're talking about International Women's Day, it is not just about women that work in the traditional business sense or women that, you know, choose to stay home or whatever it is. It is all women. It is all women doing all things. Mm -hmm. So and that's one of the reasons why I love it is because it is about recognizing women's contributions across the spectrum. I mean, women make social contributions. We make cultural contributions. Mm-hmm. We make some economic contributions. And we have gotten so skewed on the economic measures across the spectrum, as you said. Yeah. I think that women, um, I think, you know, we are half the population, both in this country and in the world. We're mm-hmm. 51%. We need to come together. Yeah. One of the most successful strategies of, I, I hate to use it, but repressing a cultural group is to not give them a voice and separate them. Mm-hmm. Perfect, if you think that about isolation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I am a huge proponent of is we have to come together. Mm-hmm. We have to. We don't have to agree, but we have to support. Yes. I think that's so good. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about some of the data and stats that you have around this because I think it's fascinating. And I also want to talk more about coming together in solidarity. Okay, everyone, we are going to take a really fast break. Um, you are listening to the Imperfection Wins show on KKNW 1150. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's me, Sam. I'm so excited to announce my speaking focus for 2020. After stepping back and really thinking about what all of my work is leading me towards, I've realized that there is an overarching theme of compassion. This year, I'll be speaking to corporations, schools, churches, women's groups, and more on the subject of compassionate leadership. The world needs compassion now more than ever, and it's time we slow down and start valuing relationships and people over economics and business and in life. If you or your organization are looking for some inspiration and are ready to hit the refresh button on your leadership legacy, improve your business and your life, contact me at samwilling.com to explore working together and how taking intentional action in small ways can lead to big changes for businesses and most importantly for people. Don't forget that samwilling.com. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and we are back with Kate Eisler, co-founder of Be Bold Seattle, having such an important and great conversation. Kate, let's talk about some of the stats and data. I know I've been sort of teasing this so far all show, but I really um, 
I really think some of the information that you share when you're educating the groups that you speak to, that the, um, the data and stats around gender parity, it really sort of brings it home why this is so important. And, um, and then I also later on want to talk about solidarity and how do we move forward. But first, tell us some of the um, compelling data and stats. So as I said, I spent my career in technology, and that is very data-focused. And yes. so, you know, you can, there's a lot of conjecture about where we stand. And we thought it was really important to ground what we talked about in data. And so what we have done is really grounded that in the World Economic Forum report on the gender gap. Mm -hmm. So that report has been... Um, there's been circulations of that report for years, but really it's been formalized since 2006. And so we're 14 years in, and that report measures um, a whole spectrum of, of um, women's parity, and it really focuses on four pillars, which is education attainment, healthcare availability and longevity of women, political empowerment, and economic uh, participation in wage parity. So there are four main pillars. And so when they started um, looking at this, it was about 90 countries. And now we're up to 153 countries that are measured. They're developed economies. They're developing economies. So it's a great world mm. snapshot of annual. And so this year, the report just came out for 2020. So it really kind of looks at 2019. Okay. So we are 53rd in 153 countries. So that is down on a very um, big scale. So we were 21st when we started measuring. Hmm. And so now we're 53 and we've lost two spots in the last year across those. those that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And yet you think, I mean, again, this is where just not having those conversations or having the data comes in. You would think that we were very progressive in that. Yes and no. You know, if you think about what we just talked about in terms of how women are seen culturally. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you some really good yeah, examples. I would love that. Okay. Um, so in political empowerment, we got very excited last year because all these women ran for office. Mm -hmm. We are 89th in the political empowerment across all of those countries, 153 countries. Wow. And so if I think about this, um, we are below Zimbabwe, Belarus. Ukraine. So if you kind of think through that for just a second, yes. where we think we are really empowered. Yes. It's crazy. And so, you know, the other piece is healthcare. Hmm. We are, we started out in the report, we were number one. We provided healthcare across the population. And we are now at 70. So we have dropped 69 places, whereas other countries have started to enhance their healthcare systems mm -hmm. and extend healthcare to everyone. And that is not a political statement. Right. That is a reality. And we talk about um, access and we talk about longevity. That is what that's talking about. And can I ask you, um, when you're talking about that we've dropped and other countries are now, is it, um, is it that we are getting worse and they are getting better? So we're, the divide is growing or are we staying the same and other countries are just getting better? No, it's both. Okay. It's both because you're seeing um, developed economies enhance their healthcare system, okay. enhance their education systems. Mm -hmm. We are called out very specifically in this year's report, and this is a 400-page report, so it's very in-depth and it's very um, 
detailed across these countries. Mm-hmm. We were called up specifically in terms of stalling economically. So mm-hmm. you hear a lot about the over 200 years to parity. So on, for economics, wage parity and participation in the economy, mm-hmm. we have stalled and reversed course. So we are now at 257 years estimated till we get economic equality. Wow. It's so sobering. And so, you know, you think women need to understand those, you know, those metrics Mm -hmm. and really think, you know, that is not um, a random, oh, my gosh, we're behind. Right. That is across the world stage. And and the other sobering fact that, you know, came up this year is Western Europe as a group of mm-hmm. countries. Western Europe is estimated 54 years across those four pillars till they reach parity. Hmm. So if you think about that, that is certainly the Nordics, which are the top of the list. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, uh, the UK, France, Germany. We are second to the bottom at 143 years across all four of those pillars. The only region of the world that is behind us in reaching parity is the Middle East. Wow. So I want you to think about that for just a minute. So that is really alarming. That is. Mm-hmm. that, And that is sobering because mm-hmm. when you think of the Middle East and the rights that women have and, and mm-hmm. how women are viewed and treated, mm-hmm. that's pretty sobering. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, again, it's not, the intent is, you know, that we have a platform of data that we are not being divisive. Right. And it is not um, a storytelling right necessarily this is it's just the truth the fact yeah and you know and I really appreciate that this is a third party and there is no skin in the game mm-hmm. for reporting any of the data yeah but it is something that we need to keep in the forefront and mm-hmm. say you know this is this is something that gives us a measure that we need to work towards mm-hmm. and so as we think about not only women it's not a women's issue mm-hmm. it is a cultural issue across our country. Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking about um, what needs to happen, what where do we start? And, and actually, first, let me ask you, when just for anyone who this information might be new for or the four pillars or those terms might be new for, um, if you had to break it down into like really layman's terms, like if you were presenting this to a room full of high schoolers, mm-hmm. When you are talking about um, like economic gender parity, are you, is that just simply what men make, you know, versus women or what, what goes in to that? How would you explain that in a, in a simple way? I would say, you know, very simply that is um, economic participation is first. So it's how many women work across the population. Mm-hmm. What's the percentage of women who work in any, any, um, outside the home job really Mm -hmm. or make a wage outside the home so Mm -hmm. not necessarily physically but outside and then it is a wage gap and it really does look like if you are women and men and you're comparing them one-to-one what's the salary Mm -hmm. and I think you know we need to be really cognizant of um, where we live in the northwest right not very reflective Mm -hmm. of the rest of this country Mm -hmm. we live in a bubble that is a wonderful you know we're cold. We look outside, but it is such a fantastic place on the um, measures of gender parity. Hmm. There's many of, you know, our top five public service jobs in Seattle 
are women. Mm-hmm. Our senators both are women. Will you talk just a little bit more about that? I know you mentioned something to me earlier about the history of Washington State. Um, so I just found it fascinating. I think people would like to hear it. So this is a historic year for us. So we're talking about you know um, how women show up and what the parity is across those things. But we also have to recognize that, two, that 2020 has been 100 years since the passage of the 19th Amendment. And the 19th Amendment gave the women right to vote. Mm. And so it's a big deal. And didn't give all women the right to vote, so I want to recognize that. Yes. It is um, very skewed, and so it gave women the right to vote in our Constitution. But realistically, um, those rights were extended to all women in 1964 with okay. the passage yep. of civil rights. So mm-hmm. we have to be cognizant. But Washington has a very special relationship with that because the first women's meeting, which kind of inspires us, was in Seneca, New York in 1848, believe it or not. Um, and then the Washington Territory got a visit from Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton that came to Washington, Oregon to talk about women's rights mm. in 1851. And they presented the idea of extending the right to vote to women in the Washington Territories, to our territorial government. And it was actually defeated narrowly, but it was defeated for one reason, and it's very documented is that it was the language in the proposal was only extended to white women. And the territorial government said, nope, we need to extend it to all women or we can't can't approve it, which was great. Go Washington. Go Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you proud of our state here. So we actually um, gave the women the right to vote in 1883. Mm -hmm. Um, They voted um, 9 out of 10 for temperance. And so the... The rights were revoked in the court system in 1887. Oops. Oopsie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then they were actually, we were the fifth state in the union to actually approve the 19th Amendment, which is in 1910. Okay. But the good news is, you know, we have always sort of been on that forefront Mm -hmm. of looking and looking broadly. Yeah. And I think, you know, we need to be cognizant of Washington as a leader. and, Mm -hmm. And I want us to continue to do that. I mean, we are. But encourage everyone to not be you know, complacent about. Yeah, I think it's that complacent, right? It's so easy. Like I said, if it's not directly impacting, um, impacting you, it's sort of easy to either not believe that it's as bad as some people say Mm -hmm. until you see the data, right? It's like, oh my gosh, it's worse actually Mm -hmm. than I thought. Um, Or it's easy just to kind of go about your business and get really consumed with your own life and, and the busyness of that and what you're doing and, and put some blinders on. And I think, um, you know, I have a daughter who's 18. So she turned 18 last year. This will be, she she is now an adult. She will be able to vote in the next election. And I think um, I have felt really that, um, I don't, maybe pressure is not the right word, but I've just felt compelled to really grow myself in this area because I have this little voice in my head going, you have a daughter. Like, you know, you need to model. This is an issue. It is, you know. And I think um, years ago I probably felt more, you know, in my little Washington bubble, I felt more like, um, oh, I'm not going to be one of those really outspoken, you know, women's rights activists, you know, and I I kind of avoided a lot of those conversations. And the more and more I'm 
I'm open to it and the more I'm learning about it and the more I'm thinking about just the state of our world in general, it's like, oh my gosh, someone has to do something and why it it starts. um, I always tell people as I'm coaching them in organizations, like most great movements start as a whisper, right? And so this is important. And it, it might even be more important for those of us here in Washington that are in a bubble that do have a voice and um, some influence and power to be able to speak up that it is an issue. So um, that's, yeah, it's fascinating. I think that people think that activism or having a stance needs to be loud and yeah. aggressive and it needs to be confrontational mm-hmm. and I don't believe that at all mm-hmm. I think that you know as you said cultural change is key you change that behavior by talking about it being not avoiding that and by you know changing how you talk about things mm-hmm. but not shying away from it yep. and I think that that's the trap we get into is oh that's going to make someone uncomfortable mm-hmm. change is hard mm-hmm. it took the suffragettes over 70 years to make change. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why I really point to that history right now is because we are so used to having things happen so quickly that we have, we need some staying power. Yes. It's, you know, it's going to take some time. We, again, we're talking about cultural change across our huge institutions, not only work, but culturally and in the media and what we see and those, the, you know, traditional roles of all of the people in our society. Those are all being upended right yes. now. And, and I don't think that's only parody. It's how we work and the gig economy and, you know, all of the measures of what we're doing. Yep. Homeschool, you know, um, going to class online. Who knew? Yes. You know, so all of those things, those are cultural changes that didn't just happen. Right. And that they take some time. I think it's um, it's a really good point, you know, that it takes some time. And, and I think just starting, you know, if you if you need to start small, start small and be willing to have those conversations. And one thing that I'll say um, is I really think having the um, I think what will help us have these conversations in a civil way is being armed with the data. Mm-hmm. Right. And just being truthful. Right. It's not I use this sort of. Um, model all the time in my human resources work that I do when I, you know, I always say like separate the emotion from the fact, mm-hmm. right? And let's deal in facts and we'll deal with the emotions later. But for this conversation, let's deal in the facts. And I think what you have and, and what you give to women is, and the world, really, it's the truth. And I really appreciate your way of presenting it because there isn't a lot of emotion. I'm sure you have a lot of emotion behind it, I you know, but the way that you enter into those conversations is really just armed with the truth. And the data helps, I think, um, helps us do that. So if women want to get their hands on some of this data, where can they find it? Gosh, it's so easy. Um, I shouldn't say women. If anyone if wants anyone, to get their hands right. on this data. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, it is the World Economic Forum data. Okay. And it is, it, it's readily available on the, on the Internet. It is also um, off of our site. We have links and we have lots of summaries of that data okay. on the Be Bold site. And that is um, B-B-O-L-D-N-O-W.com. Okay. So okay. it's really Be Bold Now. Yep. Call be to bold action. Now. The letter B, 
the word bold now.com. Correct. Okay. That's fantastic. So we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk about solidarity and how we can lift each other up as women and then how people can get involved with Be Bold. Okay. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Imperfection Wind Show, Sam Willing and KKNW 1150. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you're building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the greater east side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for Urban Restoration. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and we're back with Kate Eisler, co-founder of Be Bold Seattle. And Kate, before break, we were hearing all about all sorts of amazing data and stats. And um, I really want to talk about how we make progress. So we've mentioned a couple of times in the show just about women coming together in solidarity. How do we make progress? And I know um, a lot of companies, you know, this isn't something new that we're hearing about. I think, I don't know if it's everywhere in the nation, but specifically in Seattle, there's a big push towards diversity and inclusion. And, um, and it seems like people are trying to make progress in terms of gender parity. So I wonder if you can first off just talk a little bit about that push um, and then some of the ways that we really need to be moving things forward and make progress. And then I'd love to end with some stories from you around how you've seen women come together in solidarity. So that's not very much. I know. We've got to cram it all into the next nine, eight and a half minutes. Okay. Ready, go. Um, so, you know, diversity and inclusion, I think um, – was a good start and I think that that's brought some awareness which is always where you start but I have such trouble with that because Mm -hmm. it's become um, a a lot of a HR function Mm -hmm. and it's a check on the box box check yeah and I I think that it is also you know become unfortunately an eye roller Mm -hmm. and so when we talk about bold labs which we do you know it's been our extension from this event we've kind of gone in and talk about you know, what I do with, with corporations or what with teams is talk about balance and belonging mm-hmm. because that's completely oh, I different. Like that. Yeah. Because you can teach somebody how to, you know, recruit and manage a balanced team. Mm-hmm. And diversity implies that you have a way and you're trying to change the way, right? The 1950s work yeah. way diversity. And so I, that's not reality in our world today. Right. And so balance and we need to always be looking at that balance and changing and adjusting. And, yeah. you know, that implies all sorts of people from gender to um, different ethnic backgrounds, yes. different points of view, age. That That's what I like to think about. I love, I love yeah. 
that yeah. balance and belonging. And the belonging. I love it. You know, the belonging is really important, too, because when we think about inclusion. Yes. Again, you know, I can intend to include you. But if you don't feel included, it doesn't right. matter what I intend. Right. I didn't intend for you to hear that that mm-hmm. way. I didn't. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, what we want people to do is feel like they belong. Because when you belong, you you participate. Yeah. And that goes for community groups, social groups, work groups, political groups. Mm-hmm. You, When you feel like you belong, you have a voice. Yeah. And so I don't do anything with, like, um, like D and I. Yeah. I do everything yeah. in, you know, my whole life is about B, being bold, being yeah. belonging, and being balanced. I lo- the, B's. <laughs> the B's. I love it. You know, and I, I actually, I'm going to remember that balance and belonging because um, I'm a, the leader of a HR organization, and I'm in the process right now of hiring and building out a company and on point for helping shape that culture and trying to find ways to do it differently. And I really love those two words. I'm going to balance belonging and civility. If we can throw a C in there, (laughs) right? It's like that is. um, So Kate, I wonder if like, what are some ways that we can start to make progress in this area besides some of the big things we've talked about, but what individually can people do to start moving the needle on this? So I'm a big proponent of taking action. Mm -hmm. And I get asked this question all the time. And so what I think you, everyone can do is look around their own lives and take little steps forward, Mm -hmm. you know, which is change the way you talk to people, change the way you look at a situation, you know, take a minute, take a mm-hmm. breath, and sort of say, what can I do? We have um, recently just put up on our website a directory, basically, of, you know, we call it Take Action. People ask all the time, and it lists businesses that are either in support uh, of or owned by women. Oh, and so it goes exactly. across the four pillars, again, mm-hmm. the education, the politics, the health, yep. and the economics. And we list those as resources, and those Businesses or organizations either need patronage, Mm -hmm. they need donation of money, time, and materials, Mm -hmm. you know, anything. And we've indicated what they're looking for. And so we're kind of growing that directory because I think, you know, I'm always interested in adding people to the directory. Yes. And pointing people to that. And, And I say people very distinctly, not just women, because, you know, as we get, um, more gender parity Mm -hmm. and we see the society needs help you know I think it's just a place for them to make a small move yes in your community in your lives and there's steps you can take to move forward I really I like that you made the point of like you're not you're not saying you're just including women you're you're talking about people right Mm -hmm. because I um I know I'm gonna for sure probably get a reaction from some people for saying this but the um the slogan that got really big around the future is female which i love like i love the whole empowerment like right. so fabulous um i also have a son mm-hmm. you know and i'm like oh i want the future just to be good people right like good i want my son i don't want my son to like kick back and go oh the future's female like i, I have to right anything. like go for it he's all for you know he's growing up in a time where he's all for empowered women and um and all of those things but i want him to also feel accountable for the change and making the world a better place and being strong and i want them to be strong together and exist together and so 
um, I always just think like, oh, I want the future to be good people, you know. I have three sons. Yeah. And so it's been a really interesting yeah, journey. Yeah, I bet. Mine didn't really, you know, didn't think we lived in a strange world where I worked and their father didn't. Yeah. We went to the Middle East, which was definitely a different wow. place for me to work and yeah. my husband to watch children. Mm-hmm. That just didn't happen. And so, but I see them now. Um, my oldest son's wife just got accepted to med school. And so I sort of say, uh, oh, feel, my gosh. Yeah. I've, you know, they've, they've done exactly what their dad does. They've measured, married up. Yeah. Good it's news. So, yeah, strong that's women. so great. But they are not afraid of strong women. Yeah. And they see it as a very um, equal distribution mm-hmm. as they come together. They and work I think, together in partnership. As you said, you know, it's good yeah. people. It's got to be yeah. we come together as right. equals. Right. Not divided. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Okay. We only have a couple minutes left. And I really wanted you to share um, a story, a few stories of solidarity, which we don't have that much time. We have two minutes, Benny's telling us. And I want people to know how they can get involved with you. Okay, quickly. One of the most inspiring stories I ever saw or read about was um, in India. When we think about women coming together, women were barred from a particular church that that the government had given them access to. And they were barred by a bunch of men, and they made a six-mile-long human chain, arm-in-arm, to to show their solidarity. That's amazing. Six miles. Six miles. And you see it here, you know, certainly politically motivated when we see the marches here. But women come together in our community every day. The um, Female Founder Alliance is coming together. We have um, action groups of people that are social and political and, you know, all of the above. These, I see women coming together, helping one another. There's not a, an environment of scarcity. Mm-hmm. And if we can all, you know, there's not a seat at the table, bring a chair. Yeah. You know, and encourage someone yeah. to bring a chair yeah. with them. So I'm, that is something I'm going to lead us out in just a second. But that is something we can all do, which is if you need to start small, bring a chair. Right. Pull a, a seat up at the table. Have the conversation. Be kind to one another. Be gentle with one another. Seek to understand and arm yourself with the data. So, Kate, really quickly, how can people find out more about you? Um, Come to the Be Bold site. Okay. um, And come to the International Women's Day event. It's March 5th at Benaroya Hall. It begins at 530 in the evening. It's an evening. It's a celebration, not a conference. Come. It's great. There are a few tickets still available. You can get them on the Benaroya site or on the Be Bold now. Fantastic. I will post all of that on my social media. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Join us next week when we have another exciting guest. And Kate, thank you so much for being here. See you all next week. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace. Have a great day.